as you open your Bibles uh, to the book of the Revelation, uh, chapter 8 this morning, we're going to look at just the first part of the trumpet judgment. But I do want to stop and tell the church, thank you. Uh, I was in Florida this past week. Many of you didn't know that. I don't try to announce when I'm gone uh, just because of the nature of being online and uh, telling everybody I'll be gone. In fact, there was a website where a lot of people will, will post their vacation, right? And so somebody created a website. It said, come rob my house, right? And they legitimately put the post of everybody who had put like, I'm leaving, I'm going out of town, and it would make the website come rob my house. So I know pastors announce all the time. I don't think it's smart that, you know, they should do that. Um, but I just want to tell you, so um, we, the conference that I was at was, was at, at Pensacola, and um, first uh, enrichment conference, I've been down there. Uh, I think I've only taken a couple in 12 years. The church is... Uh, uh, funded um, uh, one a year for pastors, and so um, I just don't have a lot that I'm interested in because uh, it takes so much time, but we started about 7.15 in the morning. Uh, we let out about 12.30, and then we had about three hours of study, and then that night we were back in session again. So it was really, really busy, uh, but I got a lot of great information. One of the highlights of uh, my trip, and I have to say this because you'll be mad, along with seeing Autumn, right, um, I got to, uh, I looked up one of my Hebrew professors, and so I didn't know if he was retired, um, and I looked him up, and sure enough, I found him, and I went and met with him, and, uh, and he was a phenomenal professor. A lot of these guys, they, they're, they're not even allowed to teach Greek, Hebrew, uh, any of the Bible, unless you're a pastor for so many years. Um, they're not even, they're not hiring people out of college just because you have a degree that they want you to have the background in uh, pastoring before you come in and teach, which I love. And so he had already been a pastor for, I think I remember, right, 18, 20 years, something like that. And then uh, he's taught at Pensacola for 25 years. Uh, he's turned 73 this year. So I went up and I just told him how much I appreciated him and uh, how much his class meant to me. I said, I can still hear your words echoing in my head, um, some of the things that you, that you said. Um, in fact, it was his class because his class was so hard. I, I learned how to visually memorize my notes, and I can still, to this day, I can see what words are were pink highlighted, blue highlighted. I can still see it. And so, um, and and I said, "Is there any possible way that I can come sit in on another class?" And uh, and I'm sure the students that. Uh, are, are sitting in there going, why would you want to do that? We have to do this, right? So um, he was like, be there Tuesday, I mean, be there Thursday at 2 o'clock if you don't have a session. And I said, no, I'm open an hour. And so I got to go and uh, sit in on his class. And um, so when he stood up, he said, okay, Pastor Davis, uh, here's my notes. And I went, oh, no. And he said, so if I have to go out, just pick up from here. And I was like, okay, that's good. So fortunately, he didn't have to run out, and uh, it was phenomenal. And so uh, he brought me to tears just like he did 23 years ago. Uh, the book of Hebrews is a phenomenal book. If you want to be encouraged how Christ is better, better than the angels, better than the tabernacle, better than the sanctuary, better than Moses, and uh, if you want to be encouraged, that's why we don't, I'll harp on guardian angels because Christ is better, amen? And, uh, and so he was simply, the, the tabernacle was just a foreshadow of all these things to come. And so uh, there's, and Hebrews is an incredible book. But, so I wanted to thank you personally for uh, being able to send me and uh, brought, brought back a lot. And all the workshops that I was not able to attend because, you know, they were doing six at a time and you're only obviously able to attend one. 
that we go back and watch all the other ones. So I still got quite a bit of work to do to, to finish watching all the ones that I missed uh, that I wasn't able to attend. So I just wanted to stop and tell you thank you. And uh, so we hit the ground running as soon as we got back. And so uh, one of the things I got to do uh, uh, in the evening and late at night because I was by myself is to spend a lot of time um, I'm studying, and so that's always an awesome time. I told my wife, I said, uh, this hotel room looks like my office. I said, you know, I said I got it all set up, uh, ready to, to go, so uh, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed that. Um, so today, I told you that we were going to take uh, the seal judgment, the trumpet judgments, and then the bold judgments. I was going to take three weeks, um, and, and I decided to do this. I decided to split up the trumpet judgments. It's because we're going to look at, you'll understand by the time I get through next week, but the trumpet judgments are going to talk about the earthly judgments on the, on the world, but next week we're going to talk about the demonic release of the demons that are going to come from the pit of hell that have been trapped since Jesus kicked them out. There are some demons that are so terrible that Jesus trapped them in the pit of hell and they will be released next Sunday. You will see uh, that. So we're going to look at the earthly side of it and then we're going to get into the demonic side next week. We're also going to look at the two witnesses. Many of you have heard about the two witnesses that are going to go around preaching and we're going to see how their life was taken and possibly who those witnesses are. Nobody really knows, but we're going to take some guesses on that. I'm going to tell you why. So as we look at the trumpet judgments, if, if so many people have come to me and called me this week or texted me about the seal judgments and they were like, wow, you know, th- their, their impression is that it was going to be, uh, you know, not so bad that first three and a half years, but that second three and a half years, wow, that's going to be terrible. And, and overwhelmingly, we heard this, that it's all bad. It's all really, really bad. And so we haven't even got to the halfway point. So if you get to through today, you're going to be like, well, I, I don't even know what to think about the second half of the tribulation. If we're already seeing how bad things are right now, then I can't imagine. So we're going to look at only uh, just a uh, four of the trumpet judgments today, and then I'll finish the next three, the demonic side of it, uh, the spiritual side of it next week. And you're going to see John painting a picture of what these demons look like and that no artist really can paint. And you're going to see how men are literally going to be trying to kill themselves and they are not successful in it at all. So just in quick review... um, If you remember what I taught last week, and I said, here is kind of how um, everything is laid out. The Old Testament, and then you have the church age, which we are in right now. We still have a lot to go, don't we? The church age uh, so far has been about 2,000 years, and then we're going to have the rapture of the church. This church teaches, this pastor believes that we, uh, we have a pre-trib rapture, meaning it's going to happen before the tribulations. That, that does not mean that we won't experience some of the things that are leading up to this, and I think we'll experience quite a bit of that. Um, and then the second coming, after the seven years of tribulation, Jesus Christ is going to come back, and then we open up a thousand years of ruling and reigning with Christ, and we will be the one doing that. And there will be uh, children that will be born during this time, not all of them will be followers of Christ and they will reject Christ in their heart. At the end of this thousand years, Satan will be released and these people 
during the, during the millennial kingdom that rejected Christ will now follow after Satan and then immediately they will be destroyed. And then we have the new heaven. I mean, I'm sorry, then we'll have the great white throne judgment uh, after the destruction of earth. And then we'll have an eternal state from that point on. And so that's kind of how it is. And so if you remember, uh, we're getting ready to get to the midway point. The trumpet judgments is the seal judgments we talked about last week. The trumpet judgments this week. And then the bowl of vile judgments uh, we're going to look at in a couple weeks. So we're almost at the midpoint. We haven't got to the great tribulation. And I told you, um, and I'm rushing through my introduction. If you want to hear a complete introduction, listen to last week's online. But if I, I told you this, a lot of you struggle with understanding how this book runs. And I'll have all this in your notes uh, when we finish this. But if you understand the informational breaks, then you understand, okay, this all makes sense. And so if you see how it's, the book is broken up, so the trumpet judgments just don't go all the way through to the end. There's things that stop in the middle and happen, and that's why it gets confusing for a lot of people. And so this will all be in your notes to help you understand and help you divide how these chapters uh, play out. And so how it actually divides out, sorry about the wording there, it kind of got dropped down. But the, the first break happens, we talked about last week, but there's actually two informational breaks in the trumpet judgments. So if you're reading the trumpet judgments, you're going verse by verse, all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, this is the two witnesses, how does all this fit in? It's because they've broken up the chapters, okay? Now let's get into Revelation chapter 8 verse 1, Revelation chapter 8 verse 1. If you remember, the end of the last seal judgment was there was a silence in heaven for about an hour and I told you this this is the calm before the storm my first hurricane that I ever experienced was in, was down in Florida and so uh, we went we rode out there to see the hurricane coming in all right now understand that the hurricane hadn't already hit the beach or anything we all rode out there and the the, the water looked like glass but you could look over the horizon and the sun was kind of going down and you could see this wall of black where here comes this huge hurricane. And, I, um, and it ended up being like a, a four category. But it was so, and it was no air movement. And I thought, for the first time, I understand calm before the storm. This right here, this silence in heaven is calm before the storm. We already saw what happened in the last. You think there's already a big storm brewing and, and you would be correct. And so here in, in 8.2 it says, And I saw these seven angels which stood before God and to them were given seven trumpets. And so this is why these are known as the seven trumpet judgments. Because the seven trumpets are going to play in heaven. The seal judgments are Jesus opened up the seals. All of these have a, uh, a reason and a purpose. And so we're, we're getting ready to see why this is. Now you get to verse 3 and it says, And another Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer and much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar which was before him. Now who in the world are these who prayed? So all of a sudden we're seeing that there is a need for answered prayer. How many of you have ever felt like God did not hear your prayers? Ever felt like that? Like, where are you? Why don't you hear me? 
And it's not often when things are going good, it's things when going tragically bad in your life, and you're like, why won't you answer me? Why won't you hear me? Please answer me. Now, if you remember last week, I said that a lot of the Christians that will be coming to know Christ as their Savior will be slaughtered. They'll be hung. The women and children will be raped. I said they will be killed by the thousands. And if you remember, we talked about in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9, that they enter into heaven and they're going, please, please stop this, please stop this, please look, look at mama, look, she just died, please stop this. We have this emotional experience in heaven. Now, Jesus is not emotional at all in this state. All he does is, that's all he does, and he takes that white robe and he puts it around them, representing his righteousness. But they were crying out. What were they doing? Praying. Please avenge our deaths. So when you go to Revelation chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, then you jump to chapter 8, verse 3. What does he said? So that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints that were gathered around the throne. These are these people. Did Jesus not say, hey, shh, I got this. So those who feel like, you know what, my prayers are not being answered. My prayers are not being answered. My prayers are not being answered. Get ready. But when he answers their prayers, you're getting ready to see how he answers them. And it is unbelievable how he answers them and so they're going to have a front row seat to their prayers being answered in verse 4 through 6 in the smoke of the incense what is the incense here it's the prayers of the saints how many times in scriptures do we hear and it was a sweet smelling savior unto the lord and it ascended from the angel's hands with the prayers of the saints before God. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar, hurled it to earth, and there were peals of thunders and sounds of flash of lightning and an earthquake and seven angels who had seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Can't you see these seven angels as they line up and all of a sudden here comes the, 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 the thunder and the lightning and I imagine this thunder has to, is going to be deafening and this lightning is going to be something that's going to be so bright. And remember this was the calm before the storm and the hurricane has now come onto the beach. And all of a sudden, it gets, it gets the whole world's attention as these seven angels are standing in line and they're getting ready to sound off of these trumpets one at a time. The storm is going to be, it's going to be here. And we see this in the first part of verse 7. And the first sounded... And all of these are representation of the earth. Next week, remember, will be demonic. The first sounded, and there was hail, the fire mixed with blood, hurled to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up. Can't, and I wondered, I was like, how will this, how will this angel play? Or will it be a long, will it be one sound, but whatever it is, it will be the first time the earth has ever heard anything like this. 
and that trumpet is going to sound and that next trumpet, when it sounds again, they're going to know judgment's coming. I can imagine by the time they get to the third trumpet, they're going to be going, oh no. By the time they get to the fourth trumpet, it's oh no. When they get to the fifth, sixth, and seventh, it's going to be far more than just oh no because we start the woe, woe, woe. And then he's going to release hell, literally, on them. And so here we have the very first trumpet judgment. And what we see, the Bible says there's hell and fire mixed with blood and it's being hurled to the earth. And it's, it's, I don't really understand uh, everything about this. and I don't think nobody can. But could it be that their blood is just an indication of the color? I don't think so. I think that when this, this fire and this lightning is coming to earth and the people that is consuming and the, and the fire that is consuming the people, I believe that there's literal blood. Remember, this is not symbolic. This is literal. Everything we're talking about. There's a lot of writers that say, oh, this is just symbolic. This is not really going to happen to earth. None of this is symbolic. Because it's a judgment. It's a judgment on the people for rejecting God. And so we see a third of the earth was burned up. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But then a third of the trees are burned up. And all the green grass is burned up. All the green grass. We have a third of the trees, a third of the earth is burned up. But all the green grass is going to be burned up. Now, what does this look like? Why is it this way? God is using whatever method necessary to get man's attention. Because otherwise, many of these people would never come to know him. And there's going to be others that will simply keep pushing him out of their life. Now, can God use, his, use man to get his will done? Yeah, he, he uses Satan also. So what is it? What could possibly cause a natural disaster where a third of the trees and all of the grass and the earth is on fire, a third of the earth? I believe that we've already seen something like this. Not at that magnitude, obviously. This picture right here is a picture that was taken of a Japanese citizen as he walks through damaged lands of Nagasaki. This is two months after the atomic bomb had been dropped on this city. So many wonder, how will God do this? This is just one thing that I would like to throw out. It is possible that nuclear war will start on earth around this time. Remember, we just had seven months of the Russians, China, and Muslim allies coming in, and it took seven months to bury all the dead. And so, it is believed that there maybe God is going to use these leaders, and they're going to start a nuclear war, and this the result of the nuclear fallout, like meteors falling from the sky. Or God can naturally send this from the earth. But it's amazing, as he describes this, what this looks like. Now, I told you last week that I do not believe that Canada, South America, America, 
is going to be a player in the end times. I think our greed is going to destroy us, our turning away from the Lord, but I think it's going to be narrowed or zeroed in on the European nations. Now, the question that I had many years ago is how much is a third of the earth? Okay, if you want to take a guess of how many square miles are on the earth, it's 196 million square miles. So you just got to do that in thirds, all right, for you math people. So for, you've already come up with in your head, probably 63,800 million square miles is a third. This is equivalent to the Pacific Ocean. So the equivalent of the Pacific Ocean will be destroyed in this one judgment. So as I look at this, you do the math. Well, Chris, if how much is North America and Canada? How much Antarctica, South America, Greenland? How much is all of that together? You want to know how much this area right here is? It's only 21 million square miles. How much needs to be destroyed? 63 million square miles. I believe the very first trumpet judgment, this will be where the destruction happens. This area. And that's it for America. I believe by the first trumpet judgment, that's wiped them out. Because I believe the focus is at Israel and European nations at this time. And I think by the first trumpet judgment, this is it. Now, we get to a very interesting verse in verse 8. The next angel stands up and makes the same trumpet noise. Can you imagine what that trumpet looks like? Can you imagine with the, fl the, the flashes of light and the thunder and they play he there's never a female angel by the way it's always masculine he plays this trumpet can you imagine after going through a third of the earth burning up and he plays the next trumpet sound let me add this when pilot mountain was on fire how many of you experienced the smoke, when the, how many of you remember that? We were flying over Pensacola and there were several wildfires that were happening and you could see for miles. Can you imagine a third of the earth that's on fire? The smoke, what it would be like? So this second angel stands up and blows this trumpet and it is loud that the whole world hears it. And it says, something like a great mountain burning with fire and hurled into the sea. And the third of the sea became blood. Now, it says something like, many pastors will teach this. as He picked up a mountain and he threw this mountain into the sea. It says something like. It's possible it is a meteor that's coming. Now, this is a judgment on, all, on the salt water, on a third of the salt water. Now, 
as you look up why thirds, you know, three, is it a number of completion? I don't know. We can, we can talk about that, but at the end of the day, we come back to I don't know. But this is a judgment on the sea, on the salt water. And so here comes this meteor or whatever it is that comes in there and it turns the, the sea red, a third of the sea. Now, this is not unusual for the, the sea to become red. There's a certain algae that puts off this red color. But this is not, this is an actual blood. Now, what turns the sea red is because I believe when it hits, I think it's going to kill, we know it's going to kill a third of the marine life. We have no idea how much, how much marine life is a third. But I believe it's enough to turn the sea red. Can you imagine what this would be like? I often thought I, I, I can still smell the smell when we were little, we had a little dog, it was a little poodle. And a German shepherd got a hold of this dog and he flung him around like a rag doll by the throat of the neck. We put him down in the basement and we were nursing him back to health. And I could, I could start down those basement stairs and I could smell the blood. And I've never forgotten that smell. When I was having my... Uh, emergency surgery for my intestines one time the the nurse cut the the blood bag and the blood went all over me I was covered in a bag of blood that same smell it stinks I thought about this but not only this what about rotten blood what about congealed blood I thought, what if this hits and now we have this congealed blood and the smell of this blood, of this rotting blood that's going to be in the ocean and now we have all this marine life that's going to be either floating up to the top or washing up on the beach. An acquaintance of mine was was keeping fish and they kept large amounts of fish in freezers and it was flounder because they would go flounder gigging and so they went and they said this big old freezer and they had it almost full of flounder where they had shrunk wrap it and all that stuff they didn't know that the power had went out so he lifts the lid slams the lid and takes off running outside. He said, Chris, I could not stop throwing up. He said, I went back, grabbed the key, locked the entire icebox, went and got my machine, dug a hole, and put the whole thing in it and covered it back up. He said, I couldn't even open it. And I've thought about that story. And how it translates to what do you think it's going to smell like? With a third of the marine life that are floating up. Now why is it that he is casting judgment on this marine life? And I don't think it's towards the marine life. Let's just say that North America, South America is now on fire. None of the grass is there. The third of the trees are gone. It is a smoky mess. Where do you think, if you had a boat on the ocean, where would you go? 
you would say here, God is directing it towards these land masses. Let's get in the boat. And now all these vessels are taking off from the west coast, the east coast. And all of these boats are going out to escape the judgment of God. And God says, oh yeah? Boom. And verse 9 says, And a third of the creatures which were in the sea had life died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. So now all these people that were running from their lives and trying to escape the judgment of God and thought they had escaped the judgment of God, now they're in the wake of this, of this meteor coming to earth. Can you imagine what the tsunamis would have been like? Can you imagine what, or what they will be like? Can you imagine what the waves will be like as these ships are being overturned? And as I said, the marine life and the stench that is, that's going to happen. And by the way, people will still turn their backs on God and still reject Him. And then we get into verses 10 and 11. So we have land masses. We have salt water. Now God's going to affect the fresh water. The third, third angel sounded. And by the way, we've already had two trumpets sound. The third angel stands up and gives that blow of the horn. And can you imagine some of the people that are just experienced all of this and they live through it and they hear that third trumpet it's coming. It's happening right now. Can you imagine them bracing themselves for what is getting ready to happen? And a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of the waters. The star is named Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many people died from the waters because they were made bitter. What is the, first of all, the great star appears that there's another meteor that's coming to the earth. And it's specifically focused on springs, on your wells, and on rivers. Can you imagine a third of the earth is now on fire and people that, that survive that are trying to find water and they're trying to drink water? They're trying to survive. I mean, this is it. There's no more food. All I have is water. And they're drinking the water. Then all of a sudden, here comes a meteor. And the meteor is called wormwood. It means bitter water. It's a botany shrub. It's, it's known for the extreme bitterness. Poisonous in this property. And it looks a little bit like this. They, they squeeze this, and it's actually, they do use it small, small parts for medicinal purposes. But it's found up in the Galatian mountains, and it was interesting as I, as I looked at this, the Bible says that many will die. Let me, tell me tell you how potent this wormwood is. Here's a 500-gallon drum with a man standing next to it, which let's just say this is 500 gallons of water. And here, a medicine comp has one ounce. One ounce of wormwood has affected 542 gallons of water, making it completely undrinkable. 
And here God sends a meteor to the earth known as Wormwood. He has affected thousands and thousands of people's wells, rivers. So that now people that were literally uh, fighting all these fires and now they couldn't eat. Now he is causing judgment to fall upon them. They're not able to drink anything. The Bible says that many will die. And this is me. I ask myself questions that the Bible don't answer all the time. How many is many? And you're like, well, Chris, that's silly. Many. So as I go to this Greek word and I look at it, I want to tell you one other verse that it's used in. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, you know, and I had a, and I had a message on this where everybody had to walk into a turnstile. Remember that? And I, there was only one way you could get into church that day, and there was only one way you could get out, right? And I talked about this verse in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there be many who enter through it. What is he talking about? He's talking about there's going to be many who's going to enter into the destructive way. Many are going to enter into hell. Same word. How many people are going to enter into hell? Many. How many people are going to be killed as a result of thirsting to death? Many. I don't know about you, but I've never starved. But I also couldn't say, we've used the terminology, I'm thirsty, thirsting to death. You and I have never experienced that, I would dare say. We've been very thirsty, but have we been at the point of dying? As you read documentaries of these guys that are floating on these rafts, that they get to the point where they know the salt water is going to kill them, they become so delirious that they just start drinking the salt water. And obviously your body cannot filter that out, so they become even more delirious. And they just keep drinking and drinking it because they're so thirsty. And I thought about this. As they get to the point where they cannot find any fresh water, they start drinking this bitter water, and it's nasty. But they, they, they can't. They can't not do it anymore. And they consume it, and it kills them. They'd reached a point where they could no longer survive. We have nurses and firemen and maybe there's some doctors in here. I think I've heard that you can survive seven days, I think, right, with no water. I think Miss Saint Singh actually proved all that wrong. How much you can survive without food and water. So people will start dying. Can you imagine what that's going to be like to no longer have water any longer? You know, I thought then John didn't, didn't see the benefits was Aquafina bottled water, right? Well, how about all these people that's got all these waters stored up? You know what I believe? I think God causes them to be bitter also. When he affects it, he affects it all. But even if he doesn't, I think that they, that supply had already been run through. Remember, the grocery stores have already been bare for a while. But then the last one we're going to talk about today, and I'm finished. This is the four. By the way, we haven't even got to the great. Tribulation yet? This is minor. (laughs) 
The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were struck, as a third of them would be darkened, and the day would not shine, and for a third of it, and the night in the same way. And so the fourth angel stands up and sounds that trumpet. Can you imagine these people that are dying left and right from starvation, and they hear that fourth trumpet, and it sounds off through all the world? I imagine at this point there are people who are crying out, Oh God, save me, for I am a sinner. They are coming to know Christ. They are surrendering to them. That doesn't take away from the punishment. That doesn't take away from the judgment. But they will enter into an eternal estate. Now, not all of these judgments will believers um, be involved in. There are some of these judgments that are only designed for unbelievers. And we'll talk about who that is. And so now God is striking a third of the sun, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, and it's darkened and it's giving less light, no light, for eight hours of the day to the earth. And I see not only these people are so depressed and the, and the suicide or attempts and all of this is said in, in, in certain regions up north that, that when then when it's only you know, light for six months and dark for six months, the suicide rates and all that go up. But I can't imagine what it would be like to be thirsting to death, literally. The, the third of all the trees and all, the grass is on fire and, and, and the land masses. And now we have this congealed blood and the marine life that is washed up and the stench that is literally smelled all over the world. We have a great cloud and now God strikes a third of the sun, a third of the moon and a third of the stars for eight hours more throughout the day. It is now completely dark. My wife and I started our first house off of Creek Ridge Road. I grew up in Pleasant Garden. It was dark. We all heard the term around here called country dark, right? That's country dark. I'll never forget when we moved off of Creek Ridge, there was all these lights. And I'm like, good grace, somebody turn off a street light. And you're waking up. Constantly light around you. I think we were there for what, what, two years maybe? Year and a half, two years, whatever. And we moved back to the country. And I'll never forget when we turned out the lights in the bedroom, I went. And I couldn't see nothing. Because I'm the man, and you know, we're supposed to be tough. I wasn't about to tell her. I'm a little scared. So I laid there doing this right here. And I said, finally, hey, it's pretty dark. She said, I'm so glad you said something because I was thinking, can we turn on something? I said, yeah, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. And I thought about this. By the way, the power has been gone for some time, has it not? We got into sealed judgments. There's no power. By the way, who's working at this point? John Ryan is not volunteering to go work for Duke Power in the midst. Nobody's working. There's no way to keep the infrastructure going. And so we have eight hours of complete darkness on top of what is already the nighttime. 
It is country dark everywhere. And I thought, how long does it take for uh, batteries in the flashlight to eventually go bad? How many candles can you burn? How long will it take? It's going to get to the point where there is going to be no more light after a while. And what that looks like as people are experiencing the devastation of all of these judgments and they're sitting there in the dark waiting for trumpet number five now that's pretty that's pretty devastating is it not but when we get into next week in revelation 8 13 then i looked and heard the angel the an eagle flying in mid heaven saying with a loud voice voice woe 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 to those who live on the earth because the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels are about to sound these are known as the three woe judgments what does that mean? Woe judgments. He says, remember the song? Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. Right? The angel's going, you thought that was bad. Watch this. Woe, woe, woe. You ain't seen nothing yet. And next week, we're going to talk about not only the two witnesses that will be released, and they will have their testimony and their death, but we're going to talk about the demons that God is getting ready to release from the pit of hell and what they look like. 